Hello, babes and trolls, kids and queers. Welcome to Millenniagram, the Enneagram podcast your pastor definitely won't be recommending. Together, we are here to learn a little self-deprecation, a little integration, and together, dig ourselves out of our goddamn ditches. Let's get into it. What the fuck is up, y'all? This is Millenniagram, and I am so fucking excited to introduce a new triad. We're gonna be talking about the feeling triad in the next three episodes. We have a brand new fucking co-host, and I cannot wait to introduce her to you right now. Um, I met Emily Joy nine years ago on Twitter, right before she was about to move to Bible school. Moody Bible, what's up? Right where I was, and it was really exciting. It was my first Twitter friend. We ran into each other um, in the, like little courtyard area at Bible school and we're super awkward about it. It's fine. What is up, Emily Joy? I'm so happy that you're here with me today. Hello. Um, I would love to talk about the Millenniagram shenanigans that you pulled on Twitter today and like why. Yes, okay. So this morning I was texting Corey about recording the show tonight and I noticed that Corey had his red receipts on on his text messages. And I was like, God, I hate that. (laughs) And then it got me thinking, like, I bet there's a correlation between certain Enneagram numbers and having the red receipts on or off. And so I was like, let me ask people. So I asked people and then my mentions blew up and I was like, I'm tired of this and overwhelmed by social interaction. So let me just (laughs) condense this into a Google form so that people can just tell the Google form and not me. Um, So... I currently, as of the moment we're recording this, there are 436 responses. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. You posted that like this morning. Google. Yeah, I know. Okay. So, Jesus. so are you curious? Do you want to know like some of, some of the information that I can, yes, that I can please. gather from this? Okay. So, um, out of 436 respondents, um, the biggest chunk that we had was um, Enneagram fours who have their red receipts off. Um, so I don't know if that's because like there's more Enneagram fours on Twitter because they like talking about themselves or they're more likely to like give their information to surveys. I don't know. But 74, <laughs> fucking love surveys. 74 Enneagram fours responded and said they have their red receipts off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one after that is Enneagram fives with their red receipts off. Hey, yo. Um, and then also Enneagram nines and Enneagram twos with their red receipts off. So those are the biggest four groups that I have in terms of respondents. Really? Um, yep. Mm-hmm. I feel like the um, most twos I know have them on. So twos, we have 20 Enneagram twos who responded and said they had their red receipts on 4.6%. Um, okay. So that's out of all the numbers. Um, another big chunk is Enneagram sixes with the red receipts off. Um, I'm hmm. looking at our data right now. Let's see. There's uh 3.2% of Enneagram fours have the red receipts on. Oh, and then also um yes, for drama certain, purposes. <laughs> certain people on Twitter, i.e. Tori Douglas, would like me to note <laughs> that uh there is the possibility of turning your red receipts off and only turning them on for certain people, a nuance which was not reflected in my very scientific <laughs> survey. I didn't know that was a thing. No, I, I had, had no, no idea. Thing. 
I didn't know it was a thing either because I hate red receipts so much. So I'm like, but you know what? I'm like, if that's your thing, only turning them on for some people, congratulations, you're only partway wrong. Um, so, <laughs> you know, that's well, great. I feel like the only times that I get people with red receipts are either twos or they're like dudes who want to get with me and they like Ooh. really need to know when things have been read. And it's just like, wow, that is mm-hmm. a lot of stress. I honestly didn't know what leave them on red means until like two weeks ago. Oh, yeah. Pretty B. Leave his sex <laughs> on red. Yeah, I, I heard it, but I was like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> wow. Welcome to the world of dating. Um, yeah. Except don't. No, thank there. you. Um, I am so excited because today we're going to be talking about twos. And I know so many wonderful twos, especially on the internet. Um, but the friend that I am going to introduce today um, is one of my very favorite twos. Don't tell anyone. Um, but before I introduce him, we are going to go to our Dear Garbage Oprah section of the show. All right. Are we ready? Get your ready. feeling triad thinking hat on, okay? Dear Garbage Oprah, I'm a two-wing one, which often leads me to try to love people into wholeness, a.k.a. fix them by showering them with affirmation and affection. But some very smart people have told me that's not a viable option. What's a more useful and effective method of helping my hurting friends and family? Damn, she good. Um, That is a tough one. Um, This is the part where I'm going to introduce our... Um, expert two, Jonah Venegas. Welcome. Hello. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited about this. You're here. It's so exciting. I am. We're here. I'm so excited. I can't believe that we have never yet hung out in real actual life. Um, I know. But we are like FaceTiming the fuck out of each other and taking fireball shots. So it's fine. Um, Yeah. Only the best for you, Jana. (laughs) You're definitely my favorite person to FaceTime. Um, tell me what you think about this question. I know that it is a big one. Oh, this question. I, I'm just like, honey, let's go get drinks. Let's talk about this whole entire thing (laughs) (laughs) because, because this is okay. This, this is just me in a nutshell. So I am also a two wing one. So when I heard that question, I was like, oh, uh huh. (laughs) Correct. That (laughs) is the correct question. Right. Yeah. So that, yeah. So that's my reaction to that. Um, And honestly, too, I think, I feel like my answer to this question is not going to be the most affirming answer that that a two really wants to receive. Um, which, which I can attest to. Yes. Which kind of, I can attest to because I am a two and I know that if someone told me this answer, I'd be like, hold the phone. That's not, (laughs) that's not what I was looking for. (laughs) So yeah, no, I really, I really, really do feel that drive to try to love people in the wholeness, try to love people till they are all fixed. So they're all better. So everything is amazing. And a lot of the time, I think that that just doesn't work because you get into then 
the two cycle of, you know, loving people with this like expectation that they're going to love you back. And if people are in certain situations or or they are really hurting at that time, I think that that doesn't always happen. And you can really get into your disintegrating to eight where you're like, well, guess the hell what? I'm not going to be here when you come crawling back to me when oh. everything's all terrible because you did not listen to my advice. That's what happens. Oh my God. Oh dear. Oh fuck. Um, that's very real. Yeah. It and seems so, like to me, no, 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 finish. Okay. No, so I was going to say, I think the most, you know, quote unquote, useful and effective way of helping your hurting friends and family, just kind of to let them know that you're there and let them know that you will be there for them and you can help them in as much of a way as possible that you can and in the way that they need to be helped when they are able to bring that to you. But I think for me as a two, and I think I've had this to the extreme a lot, is just kind of getting to a point and really starting to integrate to that four and be able to set those boundaries and say like, okay, I want to help you. I want to fix your life. I want to do all these things for you. But at a certain point, it is your life and I can't, like, I am not in control of it. And so therefore I can try to help you. I can try to do all these things, but at the end of the day, it's only going to put more stress on myself and more angst on myself. Right. If I'm trying to force something that isn't yet ready or something that's not, it's time yet. Um, and so I think a lot of time it just means like sitting with those people in those times and not necessarily trying to fix everything right away. I think I run into this so much as a social worker, which is essentially like the helping profession where, you know, you have the option of like essentially focusing on one client and just being like, we are going to get you to where you need to be. And we are going to get you some fucking income. We're going to get you the fucking house. We're going to get you all the things. And like, that is all coming from your own motivation and from like your own drive. But ultimately like that help is not long lasting because it wasn't something that you partnered with them on. It was just like you fixing it, but it didn't come from them. So they're not going to be able to upkeep that long term, you know? And so a lot of times it seems like sometimes the most loving thing is to just sit back and like hold space for people where they're at and not expecting or needing them to be further along or feeling like you did the right thing by helping them through it. You know, like I, sometimes I feel like with helping, there can be sort of this like selfish desire and it, and it comes from a good place, but like you want to be the one that helps them. You know, you want to feel like you did everything that you could. And, you know, ultimately maybe that isn't always the most loving approach. That Preach sense? that girl. <laughs> Social worker right here as well. You know that. You are. Yeah. I know. Oh my yes. God. Okay. So let's get into you though. Um, Jonah, I would love if you could just like sort of give us a little rundown about um, yourself and your journey with the Enneagram, how you discovered your type and just share <laughs> your feelings with us. <laughs> um. Yes. So, oh my gosh, I actually feel like I have not known about the Enneagram for a long time at all, actually, which I think is really funny because, yeah, because out of all of the personality tests and things like that, that I've run into over the course of my life, uh, I definitely feel like Enneagram is the one that I know 
the best, which is super interesting. I mean, in college, we, you yeah. know, you're looking at Myers-Briggs, you're looking at StrengthsFinder, you're looking at, you know, all these like different kinds of things, especially, especially, especially when you go to a Christian college and they're like, oh my gosh, we're oh going to do this StrengthsFinder together in our orientation oh class. And then we're going to do No, that. Hannah, you didn't have to experience this at Moody because you were in the grad school, but in the undergrad, there was um, like a, it was like a one hour a week class that every freshman had to take at Moody called um, Intro to Ministry. Um, and and oh, like a it. like a pretty oh, yeah. decent chunk of that class was like taking various personality tests to try to like identify your spiritual gifts. What? Yeah, you missed out. I've yeah. been robbed. Oh, I've been my- robbed. <laughs> Guess what? I don't have any spiritual yeah, gifts. It's- Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm it's just bankrupt. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's like such a thing. I yeah, we we had all that kind of stuff. Um, so I really think that I I literally only heard of the Enneagram like probably like a year ago. Oh my god! Mic drop. You seem like so seasoned. Well, and I don't. I really like don't know how that happened because I mean maybe because I literally (laughs) went one night and um just googled the shit out of like literally every single type and took four different little (laughs) uh, knockoff tests to like figure out what type I was. That's that's those okay. Those are my like five tendencies (laughs) coming out. Like that's not any of my wins or anything like that. But Mm. I love some good research. Oh Um, hell yeah, that's Emily's like. <laughs> um yeah, so only like the first year or so um I've been really into the Enneagram and just have learned a ton about it. Um just from like talking with you guys, hanging out with lots of people, um Twitter people who are really really into the Enneagram, um you know, and just kind of getting a, a lot of that information that way and it is by far my favorite personality test. I mean, maybe Tell I'm biased, me but why you feel I mean you're right but um tell me like why you have found it so useful to you personally yeah so i really like the um like how the foundation of the enneagram is kind of like the basic fears and basic desires i think that is super super interesting to me Mm -hmm. um Mm. yeah so I'm also um, a therapist in training. I'm in grad school right now, a therapist in training. And I think that has always been, yeah. So that's really interesting to me too, of just like learning about the different ways like people relate to each other and, you know, even with social work too, and figuring out like why people do the things they do, why they act the way that they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think the basic fears and basic desires have been super, super interesting. And it's been so eye opening to me as a two, um, understanding where those play in for myself. Tell us yours for the two. Yes. Um, so, and I think it's okay. I think it's funny. I have to preface. I think it's funny because I think all the basic desires and all the basic fears, everyone's like, oh yeah, well, isn't everyone like that? And I'm like, well, sort of, but also I feel like not. They're, they're all universally human experiences. They're all things that we experience on some level. Um, it seems like different numbers kind of pick one as their like mm-hmm. main go-to coping mechanism or like the the foundation around which they build their survival story, right? Absolutely. So, um, 
Yeah, tell us what yours are. Yeah, so for twos, um, the our basic desire is to basically feel like to be loved and to feel like you are loved. Um, that's your basic desire. Mm. And then the basic fear mm. is then the opposite of not being loved or of being abandoned and that kind of thing. Being abandoned. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so being part of the feeling triad, um, twos, I feel like twos, threes, and fours all, um, have an intense amount of emotional intelligence, um, but they tend to, um, like in unhealth, not use those in positive ways. Um, how do you see, like when when you're unhealthy, where do you see your emotional intelligence being used? Yeah, so <laughs> when, oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. So when I'm unhealthy, I definitely see it playing in as kind of, as kind of like emotional manipulation. Mm -hmm. Um, Totally. Yeah. 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 And so, because I think a lot of twos are really driven to, you know, to love other people with this expectation or, or like, I don't know, like a quid pro quo type of thing. Like, I'm going to love you. And then therefore, like down the line, I'm going to expect this back at some point. I'm going to be cashing in on that. Mm. And so, right, yeah. 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 And so I think a lot of the emotional manipulation will come in with things just like, I mean, little situations, but that actually end up being like really terrible for your relationships of like, of like, oh, like remember (laughs) this time that I like picture from the airport or like did this or that. And like, now you haven't done, and you know, it goes into like a lot of those like kind of arguments or conversation with people. If you're like, look at all this stuff that I've done mm. for you and you're not doing a single Oof. damn thing for me. Wait. Okay. So I have, I have a, like <laughs> a, an observation about this. Cause I feel like I also sort of struggle with like, um, emotionally manipulative communication sometimes, um, as a five, but for mm-hmm. me, it's because like, I'm so, embarrassed to have wants and needs in the first place that I don't want to, that I don't want to Uh. say that. And so then, but I still have wants and needs by virtue of like being a person. And so like, so, but then I will go about trying to get them met sort of sideways. Um, but, but sometimes I read some of this stuff about like the emotional manipulation, of the twos. And I'm like, Oh, I kind of do that sometimes a little bit, but like for completely different reasons. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's so interesting. Oh, I'm just, I was just going to say like, that's why you have to go off Mm -hmm. of motivation Mm -hmm. rather than behavior (laughs) when typing yourself. Yeah. Just FYI. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Enneagram 101. (laughs) Definitely. Um, Emily, you had a really good question that you were going to ask Jonah. Oh, yes. Okay. It was? Yes. So earlier today, I was talking with Hannah about things I might want to ask you. So um, I'm interested to hear, like, from your perspective. Um, so, like, I think especially growing up in, um, like, conservative religious environments, basically all women are sort of coded to be twos. Um, oh, my gosh. I mean, like, yes. there's so many, there's so many, like, Christian and, and like, um, formerly Christian women that will initially like identify as twos because that's what we were all taught that like the proper, I mean, so the, the Proverbs 31 woman is a two, right? Like this is, <laughs> oh my <God. laughs> yeah. is she though? Like, is um, 
but so we were all taught that like this is a thing, right? This was what you're supposed to be, and um, and so I want to know like what what your experiences specifically as a male to, um, in coming out of a context that sort of um positions the qualities of two-ness as things that are very um feminine. Yes, yes, um, yeah, and this is originally because I don't. I don't think now that I'm running through it, I was like, maybe this is wrong. I don't know any other male twos, um, okay. at least personally. So I think that's really interesting. Um, so, and, and then of course you too, you know, you throw, you throw in a little dash of queer here. You throw in a little bit yeah. of that there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do. So we just have a lot of variables to work with. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Gender is fake. So I don't know. I think this was really interesting because for a long time, um, it, it didn't really come up a whole lot because rather th- for a long, so like, you know, probably up until, um, late high school, like into college, it didn't really come up all that much in terms of femininity or anything like that. It was kind of more along the lines of people, adults and friends and, you know, teachers and other people thinking that you're just like the goody two. You're just like the really like good kid who like, mm isn't going to, yeah it's like that whole entire thing um and it's not really until you get into like later high school and college when uh all these straight boys start doing their shit and all these like weird misogynistic things mm-hmm. um that suddenly people are like oh you're a little bit different and i'm not mm. sure why maybe it's because i treat people with decent respect and you know don't really walk over people but that's a different story <laughs> Uh, (laughs) uh, but then like, and then at that point, um, I think you get a lot of, I think it's, and I think a lot of it is from, is more from peers again than like adults or like other people. You get a lot of this stuff of like, oh, like, why are you so soft? Or like, why don't you care about this? Or, you know, then you like, and then of course you go to college and they have these things like biblical womanhood and biblical manhood. And I'm like, whoa, what about the non- Where did you go again, Jonah? I went to I went to Bethel University in Minnesota. Okay. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, I'm familiar there. You did. No, I've, not. I've been to Bethel University oh, yeah. in Minnesota. My dad spoke there when I was a kid. Oh wow! Really? Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's uh, that's where I was. <laughs> <laughs> um. So fun. Bible, Bible school. Yep. Um, which is funny because, like, quick side tangent. Bethel is like the um is like supposedly the quote unquote like finger quotation marks um liberal progressive like <laughs> kind of out there christian school oh minnesota God. and i'm like lol no i was like yeah i was like um i think yeah that's gonna be a no from me <laughs> <laughs> um lol <laughs> sheds a single tear mm. um but yeah so it's just kind of like one of those things where i think like for me it's hard to tell it's hard to say just because i think it gets a mix up in a lot of these queerness things where like i'm not Mm. super masculine on the surface and like a lot of me doesn't come off that way like i i typically like refer to myself and describe myself as relatively androgynous and so i i want to say that that's part of the two-ness as well um but you know it just gets muddied up in there with all the with all the queer magic yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um, 
I really, I try and make millenniagram as queer as possible. <laughs> I'll so hail the queer. This is giving me life. <laughs> yes. Um, that's wonderful. Um, I have a really maybe difficult Uh-oh. question for you. Um, I feel like what I love about twos is that they are so like all up in your business where a lot of other numbers are like very distant and kind of like removed emotionally. Hmm. But it seems like what I run into a lot with the twos that I love is just a difficulty to both like set, maintain, and then speak up about your own boundaries or like adhering to other people's. Tell me about your experience. Yeah. Boundaries are such an important and crucial thing for twos. Um, Yeah. Oh gosh. Oh gosh. So yeah, I think, I think the thing that I struggle with, and so I would imagine that a lot of twos though, perhaps not all struggle with is actually the boundary of just like between like your own self and other people, or at least that's, or at least that's what my experience has been of it. And so kind of like what I was saying when I was answering Mm. the, the dear garbage Oprah question is that I think a lot of the time my boundary issues come in when, you know, like I'm trying to love someone back to health or like I'm trying to fix someone or like I want, (laughs) you know, like all those kinds of things. Um, Because I think at that point there is like a certain way, like in my head that I'm like, me and this person are like no longer separate. Mm. And like, and like, I want to, Yes. Yeah. Lots of like merging and like, I'm going to fix this person. Cause otherwise like, I'm going to feel bad at my, about myself that I couldn't fix them or like, I couldn't love them enough or like, it's my, mm-hmm. and then it suddenly becomes my fault oh, or like shit. something that like I didn't do enough to like help them or like something like that. So mm-hmm. that's where like a lot of like my boundary things come in, I think, at least for me and perhaps for other twos as well as like, just kind of that, that essential essence of yourself, like getting, mixed in with other people I don't necessarily think I have a lot of issues with respecting other people but I think I think for me I think that comes you know pretty clearly of like people are like oh no this is where I draw my line in the sand don't step over it and I'm like cool great good to know it's there um and I think I mean you know too I think part of that could be the one wing as well like oh there's a clear defined line more I will I will stay the uh, hell on my uh-huh. side of it. Mm. Yeah. Um, well, then the preoccupation, the preoccupation <laughs> with fault is a very one thing also. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, um, but I think a lot of it does come down to like the internal boundaries of like, of like mm. your own self and like trying, like just that getting all tangled up with other people, because I think you try to love people so much and you try to be so involved with other people, which is like a strength of twos, but you get Mm -hmm. it to a point where you're so enmeshed that like, that you're, you're all up in it with no clear definition between like yourself and the other person. (laughs) That makes a lot of sense. Do you, do you, so do you know a lot of other twos and are those problems that you run into in those relationships? Um, I actually don't know a lot of other twos, which I think is really interesting, especially because a, um, I would say 95% of my friends are women and B cause almost a hundred percent of those people are also, uh, people that went to like Christian schools. Not- so for some reason, even though with all these criteria, I don't actually have a lot of other two friends. 
Um, I think off the top of my head, I have three, two friends like in real life that I didn't meet on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Twitter is real life. <laughs> Twitter is real life. Oh my God, it is, is, is very real life. Um, and no, I actually think that with, with those friends that I have who are also twos, I have not run into a lot of, a lot of issues with them. And I think, and I think maybe that's because too, I can, I can say that my friends who are also twos are, are pretty healthy, integrated twos. And so I don't, I think like, now that we're all kind of on that level, we don't have as many issues with that kind of thing. Um, I mean, I could maybe brainstorm like people from my past who might've been twos, but then of course I was like, I wasn't healthy at that point. <laughs> maybe you weren't healthy at that point. Two unhealthy people doesn't make a healthy person. Eh. <laughs> so I um, feel extremely called out right now. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I'm always like, I'm always like um, retroactively Enneagram typing people from my past. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my God. Listen, do not Enneagram type other people. Valid. Not a thing. I mean, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's okay. Um, okay, so I would love to, I, I really want to ask you about your experience of integration, but before we go there, I would love to talk about disintegration. So um, the two goes to eight in disintegration. Oh, bitch, does it. I've heard a lot of people. <laughs> I've heard a lot of people talk about um, disintegration is a really key moment for twos. Um, do you experience that? I definitely do. Like sort of a crisis turning point moment. You know? uh, yeah. I, well, you know, or multiple. Sometimes it just takes <laughs> you a, a couple tries. <laughs> Ongoing. It's. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think it definitely, I think it definitely is. Um, and I think, again, that, that kind of goes back to that same idea of like how twos get so enmeshed with other people that I think they kind of like have to hit this point where like, it's not like hitting rock bottom because that's not, that's just a poor metaphor, mm. but for for this situation, but you kind of have to like hit a point where you realize like, other people do not define me. Mm -hmm. Like me fixing other people and loving other people does not define me. Like I can be my own person. Right. Like on my own. And I think for a lot of twos, or at least for mm -hmm. me, you kind of have to hit this point where you just realize like, okay, like I have to be my own person because otherwise like I am just going to, like I'm going to be like salty as hell for the rest of my life. I'm going to be mad at everyone. Like, just like all the, because you know it's like that thing where you're like i am like you think in your head like i'm loving everyone i'm the best i'm like doing all like these things like all these people and like like i'm not i'm the most <laughs> best friend yeah yeah like basically that you have like this whole like thing in your head saying all that to yourself um because like you think that that is like what makes you like a good person that you like love people so well and you do all these things. But like in reality, like that's not everything like of who you are. So I think for myself, I've had several different points at which I've just been, I've just like gotten to this point where, you know, I, I just feel like all these people are super distant from me and like, I can't do anything 
to fix it. Or like, I feel, you know, like, I think you just get into this place of like, really like feeling so sorry for yourself over like so many things. And it's because like, you're so (laughs) preoccupied with like, what's going on like with other people around you, like what's going on in their lives. And like, to a certain degree, like there's this, like where you've just lost all touch, like with your own self, because your self has been like stretched out, like all these, right. Like you're just like, you've defined yourself by like attaching to like all these like different people. Mm. <laughs> and it's like, where is my individuality in all of this? Like, where is my sense of self disconnected from these people? Yes, exactly. Because like, because then like the whole entire like middle of you is just like it's so it's stretched super so super thin, you can't really find it anymore. And I think then at this point where like you know other people are healthy, other people are like oh like I'm doing my own thing, I have like relationships with other people, but they're they're healthy, they're not like enmeshed. And so like when you start to feel like those points of like disconnection all around, when people are like oh like we're not trying to hit the hip, no, okay. <laughs> Like, when that happens, I think, like, at least for me, like, I felt like, oh, my gosh, like, all these people are cutting me off. All these people don't want to be friends with me anymore. Like, no one loves me. And then, like, all those, like, all those, like, strings that were, like, attached to their listening, like, snap back, like, right into the core of, like, who you are. And you're, like, ooh. And you're, like, like, what is going on? Like, who am I? And, like, everything just, like, slaps back at you all at once. And you're, like, oh, damn. Like, I don't know who I am. And I think that's the point. At which, like, you go through this, like, you go through this disintegration where you're like, all right, well, I've been doing the most. Like, none of y'all are going to get anything from me <laughs> when you need me next time. Like, just you go straight down that hill of disintegration. Um, and I think, like, probably once you're on there, you're like, you're like, okay, I can't be upset forever. Or at least hopefully you get to this place where like, I can't be upset forever. And I think you start realizing then, like, nope, I can be my own person. And... Like I can have boundaries. I can do all of these normal, healthy human things. I think that, and then I think that's when you kind of like round the curve and start integrating and getting healthier, at least for me. So I will say like, I'm a four and I go, I disintegrate to two. And Uh, so I, I kind of know about like the crisis moment of feeling like I'm about to lose everybody. I have to cling on. I Mm -hmm. have to be... Um, a better friend. I have to offer up all of this emotional labor. And what ends up happening is I, I, I've, I've learned that that moment is, it obviously is a crisis moment for me, but it's sort of like a moment to take stock and be like, Hmm, okay, let me look around myself and see how I got myself here. A lot of times Mm -hmm. for me, it's expectations. Yeah. It's like, like expecting that, um, relationships are not going to grow and evolve and change, you know, expecting things to always remain this one way or so a, a lot of it for me comes down to expectations. And, and, and I think um, our attachment to those expectations can become so, um, so paralyzing um, because there's just, you, you almost kind of like feel yourself into a cage where you're like, this is the only, this is the only expression of reality that I will accept, you know? Um, and that, I, that's a kind of a scary moment, but I think that, um, I think that for any of the numbers in the feeling triad, twos, threes, or fours, there's a really hefty role where we have to like audit our expectations in relationship. You know what I mean? That's so good. Yeah. 
No, and I would definitely agree. I think I think that's too is like where I kind of got to that point too of just thinking, you know, I ha- right, I have all these expectations of like if I do this then this will happen and then and so forth. And I think that's definitely kind of the place you get to you kind of have to right, re-examine that whole entire thing and say like are these reasonable expectations or are these just kind of like expectations that I have because of like the fantasy world that I have in my head, like as a two or like whatever other number you are, because I think that's definitely something that I had in my head was like, Oh, well, like if I do, you know, X, Y, Z, then like ABC will follow and everything will be great. Um, but right. you know, as we all know, like life is way more messy than that. And that <laughs> does not happen a lot of the time. Um, and I know that I've definitely had to rein in my own expectations too, of just relations with other people, whether that's friendships whether those are romantic relations or whether, you know, whatever it is, I've definitely had to rein in my expectations for sure. Tell me about how being a two, um, how does that play out in relationships for you? Like in romantic relationships? Cause I oh. know you mentioned the whole fantasy world thing and like hardcore can relate. <laughs> oh yes. Let's just, let's just, let's enter Let's enter the void. <laughs> um yeah well and I think this is really interesting to talk about too because I think so I think a lot of my integration has like come on the heels of like my last relationship just kind of like examining how a lot of things didn't work the way that I was trying to make them work yeah and yeah so I think in relationships I think that um you know, obviously, as with any number, like twos can be really good in a lot of relationships because, in, you know, and maybe perhaps in certain ways um, more so because I think twos have a lot of these things or are, are primed to do a lot of these things that people, that other people expect out of relationships. You know, like when you're in a romantic relationship, people right. expect you to um, like do random, like nice things for them. They expect like people to like you get expected, like get taken to dinner or like, um, or like <laughs> have things cooked for, you know, just like random things like that. Um, <laughs> just like all these- acts of service, <laughs> <laughs> acts of service, words of affirmation, all of it, the whole, the whole, um, amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> um, so yeah. So I think that twos are already proud to do a lot of those things that people come to expect in romantic relationships. And I think that that just, is amplified when you are a two because then you're like you have these moments when you're like oh my gosh and then I'm gonna do this and do this and do this and then and they're just gonna be they just won't even know what to do they're just gonna completely fall in love with me (laughs) (laughs) like that (laughs) just like all neat like that that is like what goes on well at least in my head sometimes (laughs) <laughs> um other twos i'm trying Sounds like a lot of work <laughs> it kind of it kind of is and so other twos i'm trying not to drag <laughs> you like too hard so i'm always like see and they're no literally drag them <laughs> and see that's where the two comes out it's like well i'm trying not to make the other twos like feel so comfortable so i'm gonna like only like lightly drag you <laughs> um <laughs> and so yeah so i think for me i think i I just, I know just as a person and as a two, I love to do all those kinds. Of, I love to like plan an entire night and I'll be like, okay, we're going to go to this restaurant that I know that you really like. 
And then I'm going to surprise you afterwards. We're also going to enjoy this other place that I've heard you talk about before that you've never actually been to, but really want to go to. Oh my God. And like, just, you know, like things like that. And so I think that in the early stages of relationship, mm. that works super, super well. Because, you know, people are like, oh my gosh, this is so great. This person did X, Y, Z for me and, and whatever. And I think as it kind of goes along, whether, you know, and then of course that depends on kind of how the relationship itself kind of carries on of like, whether it actually is like a healthy one or whether it's not (laughs) because those exist. (laughs) Everyone listen up. Unhealthy relationships exist. At at a certain point, like, okay, Um, you know how like, um, on Parks and Rec, like they're always trying to figure out how they can top Leslie Nope's presence. Cause like her presence are the best. Like at a certain point, it's like, how do you top what? Like what? Where does it escalate? Where does it go from there? When you're already like doing all of these things, um, yeah, yeah, you're topping yourself. <laughs> Ooh, sexual. <laughs> Did everyone hear? Hashtag sex, sex joke. Maybe not. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, 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 please continue on. Yeah, no, I think I think it does get to that point, like, later on. Because I think, like, at, at first there's this whole, like, novelty factor of, like, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, like, all these, like, amazing things. Um, and I think perhaps internally, twos tend to think, like, that they can carry an entire relationship, like, on these, like, grandiose oh. gestures of affection or love or whatever have you. Um, and they just kind of, like... You're like a walking <laughs> rom com. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my! I think God. like <laughs> I think I want to nap just thinking about that. <laughs> uh, I think at their at the most extreme, like tubes definitely are like human rom coms because they're like, especially because we've been fed that <laughs> from like from like society. They're like, this is what you do. To like have your Title relationship of the perfect. App, human rom com. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, so I think like whether or not you're able then to like actually engage in an actual relationship will kind of define how that goes in the future. Because obviously, you know, you can't that's not what your whole relationship is gonna be based on. Just like doing these like really grand you know, acts of like, of, you know, planning crazy parties or dinners or dates or all that kind of stuff. Like at a certain point, like you actually have to like get to know another person and figure out how you two work together and like that whole thing. And I think a lot of twos, if, you know, if they're either just caught up in it or just not very healthy twos, I think they kind of get Mm. stuck in that one repeating cycle. And if things start to go downhill, they Mm. start to think like, oh, but like, I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm like doing all the things that you're supposed to do. And like, therefore you, and then that's kind of when you kind of get spiraling into like perhaps even more unhealth when you start getting into like this place of like resentment of like, well, I'm doing all this. Like, why aren't you trying? Like, why is this working? Like I'm doing like all the things that I'm supposed to do. So why don't we have an equal division of emotional well, it, labor it's when true, I though, like a relationship a relationship is <laughs> not made up of like those big out. like Leslie Nope gestures, right? It's made up of like the small day to day showing up. Right. Mm. Showing up. Tenderness. Authenticity. All that shit. 
Hashtag authentic. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> All the good Christian shit. Um, okay, I have a couple more like killer questions for you, if I do say so myself. Um, well, first, let's talk about this. Let's talk about um, your experience of integration. So the two goes to four, um, which I think, I mean, I may be a little biased, is like a really cool uh, place to go for a two. Um, tell me about your experience of that. Because honestly, like when I first met you, that was one of the things that stood out to me is that I felt like you had this very um, defined sense of self mm. in a way that I don't always experience other twos have. Oh, God. Yeah. Well, and see, I think it's really funny you bring that up because um, kind of like I was just saying how a lot of this integration happened on the heels of my last relationship. Holla at emotional... Um, breakdowns real. to just get you some integration. That's real. <laughs> so, so real. So real. Um, so, you know, anyone, if, if you're looking to integrate real fast, just have an emotional breakdown and you'll be there just like that. Right. Yep. And you'll just like, it's a fast tracked integration. Sounds fun. <laughs> like, would not. <laughs> right. Like, that's, that's our one and only recommendation for fast tracking the integration. Sorry about it. Um, so yeah, so anyways, <laughs> um, so anyways, yeah, so it came right on the heels of that, which I think is super fascinating because Hannah, I think you and I really just started becoming like better friends, like in like January, like this year, I know, um, yeah. which is ridiculous because I cannot believe I lived my whole life without you. I've known you forever. Yeah. I, I can't, I can't believe you have um, which happened to be like around the exact same time this whole like relationship ended. So you got me like, so you, you got, yeah, oh, you got like good integrated, like doing internal emotional labor, Jonah, not like, um, not like mm -hmm. downwardly spiraling. Like why isn't my aggressive and very, very harsh love working, <laughs> Jonah? Like you got, <laughs> <laughs> Aggressive, harsh love. New name correct, of the episode. Correct. Um, yeah. And so I think like it was just kind of like through that process, I was doing so much of that kind of like already in, I mean, and I think too, like I think some of what's happening like towards the tail end of that relationship anyway, as, as it would. Um, and so I think for me, like I felt, I think a lot of the integration has kind of come in, in forms of like, a lot of things I've kind of already said. I'm just kind of realizing like I am my own person. Um, and like realizing that I actually like myself as a person, not because of the ways that I am able to like love other people or not because of the ways in which I'm able to make this other, this other person happy. Um, but just because like, I actually like myself as a human being, which was a long yeah, ass time in coming so good. bitches. Let me tell you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like this did not happen overnight. Um, yeah. And then, and then too, just kind of like realizing too, that, you know, I think that whole thing of like, you can't fix other people. Like it, it just doesn't happen because people have to want it for themselves. Like this whole thing. Um, and so, I mean, I guess I just got a little quick snapshot. The, um, the guy that I was in my last relationship with struggled and probably currently struggles speculating 
um, with a lot of like internalized homophobia, just like with like his family and the way that he was raised and like all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. So, sure. um, so I think like a lot, a lot of like the back end of our relationship was like me trying to convince him that being queer is okay. That, like everything is fine. That like, just cause your family is like super oh, homophobic, like doesn't mean that you're a bad person. Like, God still loves you. Like right, you're not right. going to hell. Like just you know, <laughs> just like a lot of these like really basic things, but like have a really like high impact on the way that you see yourself, the way that you live your life, like all those kinds of things. Yeah. Um. So uh, yeah. yeah. So I think like kind of like just coming out of like this whole entire tumultuous storm of things, I just kind of realized that okay, like if that's the way that he or like any other person in my life is going is going to be like, they just, they, you know, that's just where they're at. Um, I, I myself can't necessarily change that. Like I myself can't necessarily force that not to be, um, and kind of like into this point of like, okay. And that doesn't reflect badly on me. That doesn't make me a bad friend. It doesn't make me a bad person. It just means that this person is not like, it's not their time for this yet. Or like, this is not, the state yeah this is not not the stage in life where they are at like they you know what regardless of whether they actually get to whatever stage i'm expecting Mm -hmm. they get to or want them to be at ever in their lives is irrelevant but that's not where they're at right now and i have to be okay with that because i cannot force them to like progress um it takes so much compassion to say that like where somebody is at, even though it may not be a good place for them long term, but that it's okay right. that they're there now. You know, like I feel that is that is that is an act of big heartedness that a lot of people can't arrive at. So um, <laughs> I love that. Uh, that was a moment. <laughs> and now we're back. <laughs> um <laughs> but no but like in all seriousness like yeah i think it's just, it was just a lot of those things of like realizing that i have my own person that it's not like wrapped up in all these things with other people um and then also just realizing that like i have boundaries i need to set those boundaries and i think i had a lot of these things where i was like i must do this otherwise like what will this person think about that or like or about me as like a person and i'm not necessarily sure if like all of those deeper motivations are all like completely two things but I think a lot of it for me was like, I don't want this person to be uncomfortable. I don't want this person to feel like I'm ignoring them. I don't want, you know, just that all, any kind of things that may fall from that. And so I think a lot of that integration to four, again, like came out of kind of this, you know, the slide down into disintegration and realizing like, okay, like that, that's not for me. And kind of having some of that anger for us and being like, all right, like don't be coming run into me. Like when, when you actually need me and kind of like coming up and be like, okay, no, like, even if that might not happen, that might never happen. And like, I have to be okay with that because I have my own boundaries. I am an individual person and like, I can be my own person without needing to Oof, yeah. feel like I'm like leeching off There's of like other of, people. There's a lot of like attachment <laughs> stuff in there. Um like I teach yoga and so there's a lot in yoga about like so much attachment and all that stuff and it's such a hard practice it's such a hard practice to be like okay I am gonna release my um dependence on the outcome of this like oh it's the worst I hate it yes 
people are like, they're like, attachment is the cause of all suffering. Uh, and I'm a like, bit of that. You, yeah. bitch. <laughs> like, tie me right up. I am, I am attached. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm just like, yep. Yeah, just find your center. Oh, detach, you. detach from all these things that you feel like you need to be in control of the outcomes of. So true. And just, and just sent it. Like all the twos need to hear that shit. All the twos need to like, Preach. all the twos need to like untether your soul Jonah. from that person that you think you're going to fix and they're going to be your lover for the rest of all time. Like detach yourself from that unhealthy friendship because they're just leeching off of you. Like all these like different things. Like you just need to. Or missionary <laughs> friend them. Do not yeah. missionary date people. Okay. Right. Ooh. Missionary friend. Yeah. I have, I have been there. Done that. <laughs> Yes, no, um, no proselytizing of any form for the twos. Just, just put it <laughs> down, walk away, <laughs> go to therapy. You'll be okay. But actually, no, therapy's great. Um, okay. Therapy is so good. And you know what? I feel like every guest that I've had so far <laughs> has recommended it. So basically... Everything that's wrong yeah. with you about the Enneagram, just go to therapy. It's fine. Um, so, okay, I have two more, like, really solid questions before we get to your affirmation. Um, so now that you have, like, had this experience of integration and you're moving forward with your life, how do you put yourself first in your life? Like, how do you put your oh, oxygen mask on? It's so oh, good. The two songs. I have that song on one of my yoga songs. playlists. I know. It's, I would love you. It is so uh, good. It is. Oh my gosh. Hella amazing. I, weep, I die. It's fine. Um, yeah. So I think putting yourself first is a really hard thing for twos to do. Um, which just extends in this whole thing of like a lot of Christians mm. are primed in a way to be really unhealthy twos, regardless of whether they were Real. two or not. <laughs> um, RT that. And so, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, maybe this is why, maybe this is why Kevin keeps telling me that I should be, that I should try stand up because apparently I like, I'm sometimes RT funny like, when I'm not trying to be, but that's beside the point. <laughs> Just be yourself on stage. <laughs> oh, um, and so, yeah, I think it's really hard because I think, especially if you're raised Christian, if you're raised religiously, that you have this whole spiritual mandate to put everyone and everything and anything before yourself. Um mm lest you become too proud or some shit like that. Um, which is not a problem that I, that I, a lot of people that I know have, you know, maybe for our um, straight cisgender, white heterosexual male population, but that's different. That's not really our demographic. <laughs> not so much. And so I think. Bless you if you're a white straight boy. It's fine. Yeah, it is fine. In spite of your, in spite of your lifestyle, <laughs> we accept you anyway. You can't help it. You can't help it. 
<laughs> I definitely don't agree with it. Uh, I might not agree with it, but I love you anyway. <laughs> love the sin or hate the sin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it creates a side oh podcast episode just all about those jokes. Um. But, but yeah, no. So anyways, for me, I think a lot of, a lot of it is like, just kind of like these little small things, um, to just help me keep centered, like on myself as a human being. So whether that's journaling and just kind of allowing myself to feel whatever I'm feeling at the time. Cause I think Emily, what you were saying earlier is like, I think I feel that a lot of time too, is like, I feel like I'm not allowed to feel angry at this person. I feel like I'm not allowed to feel sad about this situation. Mm. I feel like I'm not allowed to like, right, to like have needs because twos are always so busy exerting themselves, trying to fix everyone else's problems but their own. And so I think, yeah, so I think one big way is just journaling and kind of like, and just being like, Mm. you know, like I'm, I'm really like hella pissed about this or like, or like this, this really like freaking sucks. And like, just like, you know, and taking that time to actually feel all of the emotions that you might be experiencing on a daily weekly basis but that like in that moment a lot of the time you're not going to let yourself feel because like i have 101 other people's problems to fix um (laughs) you're never out of other people's problems to fix (laughs) oh no never that's the great thing about being a two like you're the list is endless absolutely you can avoid your own emotions avoiding avoiding emotions is something that like every type does but just in a different way for a different reason Because even even like even more like overtly emotional I, types I like fours really still that. hide from their emotions yeah. in some ways, <laughs> like but for different reasons and in different um, like strategies. It's true. Yeah, in order to drown out the others. Yeah, I think I, there's there's probably something to be said there for like all of the different types um, trying to avoid their yeah. genuine emotions, but for different reasons and in different ways. Or we amplify certain ones and ignore others. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's really sad to watch mm-hmm. the way that, like, the feeling triad types who have so much inherent emotional intelligence Oof. use it for every other purpose than, like, self-actualization. Right. Um, and, like, personal building and, like, um, foundation setting, you know? Like, I feel like the feeling triad types have so much power to be able to lay down a, uh, an emotional foundation off of which to build a home, to build the rest of their life, to build healthy relationships. And yet so often we use um, that power for other things. Oh yeah. I mean, I've noticed that even that are not feeding. Yeah. No, I mean, I've even noticed that in my own life over the past, like just like month or two of realizing like, Oh, I mean, I could journal now and confront those emotions that I've been saving. <laughs> um for the last like couple weeks you know or or (laughs) i could lean into like both my one and three wings and work my ass off and not come home till really late and be really tired and then like want to work out and so i'm going to do that and i'm going to collapse in my bed and wake up the next day and do it all over again because i don't want to (laughs) like right doesn't that just sound like the life you want to live like day in day out for like five hours (laughs) um yeah no so i definitely feel that 
and so I think, yeah, so like definitely like journaling. Um, and then to like, obviously like, you know, who like those healthy, good people and friends are in your lives. So you can kind of like go and like decompress and say like, no, these are my real feelings. Like I'm not trying to sugarcoat it. Like this is what's going on with me right now. And like, I don't like it. Like, I think that's something that I definitely, and I think too, like, I think especially for me as like someone who has a lot of, mm-hmm. I guess you could say extroverted energy. I think that at the core, I'm an introvert, but I give off a lot of like extroverted energy. And so I, for myself, sometimes even doing like really think like doing lots of things that are really hard for two is such as like declining that invite to go to drinks with coworkers or like declining that invitation to go to this event or to see that person when you know that that will not necessarily be a life-giving recharging event for you to go to um and instead like prioritizing your time with like your actual like core group of people because i think a lot of the Mm. time i feel like i need to be friends with everyone if i like decline this and this person's gonna think that i hate them and i have to to, like back the hell up (laughs) right i like we just escalate to all these like oh sorry i'm too busy to get coffee you hate me like that's just how it just shoots right up to like a million right there Oh my God, so relatable. <laughs> so I think like just things like that and like just knowing, um, I don't know, knowing that you don't, you never owe more of yourself to anybody um, than you are willing or should give like at any given time. I think that's something that has been super hard for me to learn because I was like, oh, yep, I'm just going to do literally everything and then have nothing left for myself so yeah you don't owe yourself to anyone. no you don't you don't because that sounds like enslavement and we don't like that here <laughs> um there was this there's this line that has been like the motto of my life ever since um my life imploded and i got divorced and all this stuff um but it is you are the point of you and I feel like that line keeps jumping oh. out of me. Like in everything I write, every song I write, the book I'm writing, like in every situation that line keeps coming to me, you are the point of you. Mm. And I feel like nobody is that more relevant for than twos. Oh, um, I I totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah. Twos, listen up. Hear that. <laughs> Um, let me ask you one more question, Jonah, that I feel like is really, um, really relevant and really prescient for the time that we're in currently. Like, um, obviously we live in like really terrifying times. Um, shit is hitting the fan, um, Mm. politically as a country, socially, culturally, um, and in all the ways, in all the ways. And I, my, my hope for this podcast is like, obviously I want to, I want people to laugh. I want people to like, um, be challenged and all of that. But honestly, like, I want it to be a space where people can get recharged, especially for those of us who are artists, who are activists, who are theologians, who are, um, doing our best to be active agents in our spaces, but we are so exhausted by all of the the crises that are confronting us. Um, I would love to hear what advice you have for twos who are working 
in the resistance, twos who are marginalized, twos who are just trying to like survive the time that we're in currently. What would you say to them? And to yeah. yourself, obviously. Yeah. Um, I would say that Rude. no one can work 24 seven. You know, you just can't. I resent that. Um, mm-hmm. i can do it i I will do all the things with no rest i will yeah you Um, know how like the iphone goes to low power mode (laughs) battery that's me i can do it (laughs) just like keep 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 trekking on we're just Mm -hmm. we're gonna go until you uh fall over dead (laughs) just just in that moment it's just going to happen right there. Um, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I would just say that you cannot constantly be exerting yourself 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, and, like, I know that for myself, I know that some of the twos that I know um, will go to bed thinking about, like, problems in the world, problems in their friend groups, problems with their family, like, all those kind of, like, and it just, it's, the whole and like they'll have dreams about it. It's like you literally never oh, resting. Can't get away. Yeah. yeah. No. It just it follows you right into your right into your sleep, right into your literal dreams. Oh Jesus. And then and then suddenly suddenly you're dreaming about an ex's problem that you haven't seen in six months and you're like and you wake up and being like, why the why the hell? Okay. Like I clearly need some This is totally hypothetical though, right? So yeah. hypothetical. <laughs> One thousand percent <laughs> hypothetical. <laughs> um, no, but like in all seriousness, um, like you need to take time, like to to rest, and it's okay to not have your nose to the grindstone all the time. It's okay that that blog post came out late. It's okay that you responded to that text the next day rather than like two seconds after you got it. Like it's okay to to not be a perfect human which i know that for me comes in part of with part of that one wing as well but yeah yeah, but just that like it's okay to take time for yourself and to rest and to recharge um and i actually think about this quote that oh shoot i don't remember who it's by anymore but um i heard a quote semi-recently that says that said, um, it was a woman who said, I know that, who said, if I can't dance, I don't want to be part of your revolution. And oh. yeah. And I really, really like that because I think it emphasizes this whole entire concept and idea of, yes, we are going to fight for our lives. We're going to fight like hell for all the things that we believe in, for all of the good that we want to do in the world. But at a certain point, you also have to realize that if you are living life on survival mode, on fight mode the entire time, then that's not a life where you're necessarily thriving mm. either. Like you have to take some time and do things that are good for your soul, do things that recharge you, do things that make you laugh and do things that are fun. And that will give you the strength to keep on fighting like hell every other moment that you are not doing that. We can't fight for justice without dancing. I love that. I love that so much. Hell yeah. Because it reminds us like, it reminds us why we give a shit about being alive. Mm -hmm. You know, like 
it's so easy to spiral into depression when like we're losing our um, human rights and, you know, like everything seems in jeopardy and it's really easy to like zero in on that. And it is important. Like, I think that a lot of times people just tune it out, which is often a sign of privilege is they're just like, I can't, I can't put up with this anymore. Uh I can't listen. I can't, you know, and that's not an excuse to not be plugged in, but like also you have to remember like why you give a shit about being alive, you know? Right. Cause otherwise you get to this point then like, you know, theoretically once the fight is all over and done with and we have won, justice has prevailed, good has won. I think you get to this point then where a lot of people who have been fighting for so long forget what they were fighting for. And then they stay in that fight mode for so much longer after the fact. And you can't even enjoy the victories that you've won, whether those are small ones and you need to get back up and go back to the fight the next day or when like you have a major victory, people get stuck in that, in that position of just being like, Nope, I'm just fighting. I'm just surviving. We're like, go, go, go. And yeah, you've forgotten the entire reason that you were in that battle to begin with. So we need to dance. We need some wine every once in a while. We need some chocolate. We need, um, Many more seasons of Queer Eye, um, and just all the good things. Hey, Lady God decrees <laughs> it, so shall it be written, so shall it be done. Um, well, we are almost out of time, and I need to wrap this up. But um, Jonah, I would love it if you could share, like, just an affirmation to send us. Yeah. Out. Um. Yeah. So, to all my twos out there, um, I love you. You are. The people who will answer your friends and family's phone calls at 3 a.m. when the phone has woken you up because they need you for something. Um, You are the people that plan the best birthday parties, the best surprise events for the people that you love. You (laughs) are the people who will give more of you than is available to the people Mm. you care about. Um... (laughs) And those are all good things. Those are beautiful things. Um, And at the same time, I would encourage you to remember that the fight is only worth fighting when there is time to laugh and dance as well. Um, And to take time for yourselves, to remember that you are only one person and that all the good that you do is noticed by people because I know that that is a fear that you have. Um, Hmm. And that you are not going to be forgotten or abandoned as much as you think and fear that that may happen if you stop doing what you're doing. If you take time for yourself and if you rest, your people will be right there waiting for you when you are ready to go. Um, And so continue doing what you're doing. Keep loving people abundantly. Keep loving people recklessly. Give everything, everything that you have. Mm. And remember to take some time to rest and care for yourself as well so you can keep being the wonderful two that you are. Yes, when are you available to be hired as a therapist? (laughs) Um... Well, I think that I should be passing my board the summer of 2021. So, you know, just, just, 
stick that in the bookmark somewhere. Just uh, remember that. <laughs> Come back to that later. And I will take all the referrals. Yeah, I'll take all the referrals board. for all the for all the millenniagram <laughs> people out there, all the queer millenniagram people, especially. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> First priority, honey. <laughs> um, yeah, someday, someday I'll use all this like uh, enneagram knowledge that I've gleaned from my um, PhD in enneagram um, from the University enneagram of Twitter. Yes, yeah. Enneagram Enneagramonomics. Yeah, from the University of <laughs> I pray no Enneagram masters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from the Um Jonah, I love you so much and I am so grateful that you joined us today. Like I was definitely getting choked up there at the end and I just am so grateful for who you are and for taking the time Thank you. to to tell us about Thank yourself. Thank you. Today. It Thank was you. so much fun to be here and Hang out with you guys, and I love, I love getting to hang and be with, be with my people, even if it's not IRL. <laughs> More Facetime oh, Fireball yes. later. Thanks okay, so much babe. for having me, um, Emily Joy. I'm so glad that I have you um, co-hosting with me. We will have the uh, Millenniagram Three and Millenniagram Four episodes coming out soon, and cannot wait to share those with y'all. Until next time. This has been Millenniagram. Hell yeah, what up feeling triad? I'm so glad y'all got to experience just a teensy bit of the magic that is my babe, Jonah Venegas. You can find Jonah on Twitter at Jonah underscore V-E-N. That's Jonah underscore Ven. You can also find him on Instagram at Jonah dot V-E-N. Please follow my glorious babe and partner at Emily Joy Poetry on the Twitter and the Insta, all the socials. Everything they say is fucking golden. You want to follow them. You want to know more. Trust me. We'll be back next week with Lineagram number three. See you later.